This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, being a coordinator is, in my opinion, it's about putting the personnel and the people you have in the best possible situations to be successful. And 90% of that, in my opinion, is the quarterback. If the quarterback has success, normally the other 10 guys, if they do their job around them, will feel that success as well. But then at the same time, I think it's, uh, I think it's a matter of, of avoiding the negative plays. And part of putting your guys in situations to be successful is not putting them in situations where if they don't make the right split-second reaction, catastrophic plays can happen that lose football games. There he is, the new Vikings head coach, spewing some cliches there from his time oh, yeah. in Washington. That was that was from a few years oh, ago. Oh, get ready Washington. for that, yeah. Some cliches. That's the job yeah. there. I don't think we're going to get, like, uh-uh. moody, petulant, angry. I think, I think Kevin O'Connell is going to be a little bit more, like, you know, corporate coach speak than maybe Mike Zimmer was at times. Rocco-ish, I think. Yeah. Might not be that bad, but more like he's going to go more towards the Baldelli way, certainly than the Zim way, right? Yeah, I could, I could see that being the case. Drive Patrick Ricey nuts. Uh, <laughs> so this is a, this is a statements Monday here on Mackie and Judd, and we'll get more to. There's a great article in the Athletic that we're starting to get more information about who Kevin O'Connell is. We're going to talk. Alex Boone was texting me over the weekend saying he's basically watching like every play of Rams football offensively. Uh, just grinding the film, and he's going to give us a full dissertation on. I said, explain it to us like we are idiots, which we are, and uh, and you can you can yeah. do that on Purple Daily tomorrow. So, but let's start off statements on this Monday. Judd, you bat lead off. All right, statement number one comes from the uh, Pro Bowl post game show last night, and a quote I'm going to read you. But the statement is this: Adam Schefter is being used. Not abused, but he's being used, and here's why. Post-game comment from Shefty on the ESPN-ABC, I guess, Pro Bowl coverage last night. Quote, here's the thing that you have to keep in mind. They're going to be bringing in Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell worked with Kirk Cousins in Washington. Kirk Cousins endorsed Kevin O'Connell for that job. One of the reasons Kevin kind of wants that job is because of Kirk. There's a relationship. So that tells me that Minnesota and Kirk Cousins will figure out something and maybe come up with a restructured contract that adds years on for Kirk Cousins and gives the Vikings salary cap relief this offseason to give them more money to spend on other players. Adam Schefter is being used because this is the first domino in the dominoes that tra- traditionally fall. No matter who Schefter sources, the Cousins camp or, or Quasi, who might be brilliant, but you're not going to be floating out there right now. Talk to the Vikings or talk to their people, and they desperately want to trade Kirk. You are going to create a market for Kirk, and the best way possible is to say, as I told Dex last night, the best thing to possibly say is, oh, no, no, you don't. You don't ask about, oh, oh, hold on a second. A first-round pick? Uh, Okay, um, so so this is 
I, I think ultimately Shefty is allowing himself to be used here because there's a fighting chance when the Cousins trade goes down, he'll get the call. Or You're the text saying first. Shefty sometimes will just am, allow himself to be used by sources inside the NFL. I'm saying he has their own to personal agendas. I'm saying he has to. I get that. And also, last thing, Phil, 2018, Mall of America, Radio Row. Um, th- this week, as far as Super Bowl week, do you recall the biggest trade that was agreed to that week? Uh, was it the Alex Smith trade? It was indeed. I believe the Stafford trade last year around this time. Trigger can't officially be pulled until March 16th. But my point is, be wary of the assumption that the wheels of justice for the Vikings quarterback situation are not already turning. This is really interesting because it's, you know, the ownership decided we have a good, not great coach, but we seek greatness. So he's fired. We have a good, not great general manager, but we seek greatness. So he's fired too. And we have a good, not great quarterback, but we're going to build everything around him for the next three years and and attach the new general manager and the new coach to the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. It doesn't seem to add up, but that report by Schefter piqued my interest in a lot of ways. Because I think I think the path that you just went down makes some sense, but... Listen, like, they did hire a head coach that worked very closely with Kirk Cousins, and could I see him come in here and say, listen, I can get more out of him. I know that I can get more out of him. I saw what we did with Matthew Stafford in L.A. You know, I think I think Kevin is one of the only coaching candidates on that initial list of eight that I would have said, interesting. Connection to Kirk, probably a little bit of an inflated quarterback ego just based on the work that he's done in uh, in L.A. with Matt Stafford. So I don't know what to make of it. I legitimately don't know what to make of it. I agree with you, though, that no matter what, the Vikings have, the, whether they're keeping Kirk or trading Kirk, their first public or even, like, you know, off-the-record comments have to be about how much they love Kirk, no matter what. Because if you're going to keep him, you got to boost him up and you got to try to yeah. you know, build a relationship, right? He, you yes. know, he's coming off this freed relationship with the head coach and the coaching staff. And if you're going to trade him, you need to be telling everyone right now, oh, we love this guy. Why would we ever trade this guy? Boy, if I guess, I mean, I guess if you want to float an offer, start with at least four first-round picks, and we'll work from there, right? <laughs> so maybe this is just the first sort of strategic, you know, chess move here. But I don't know. What do you think? Declan, do you think Shefty is being used, or do you think he's, do you think he's uh, reflecting what the Vikings actually want to do, keep Kirk Cousins? Uh, I mean, my my statement on this after after hearing what Shepard had to say was be prepared for life with Kirk Cousins in 2022. That that's my opening statement be on that. Is be prepared. prepared. Time will still tell if the Vikings want it. I don't know what that is from. What is that from? That's from Lion King. It's a Lion King reference. Really? I wouldn't. I I mean, well, Judd would never know. I usually Disney references usually. You usually come in pretty good, no, pretty not. strong for me. Sorry. I'm a little Sorry, upset I'm at myself bow. now. I'm just going to bow out. I'm upset right at myself. Show. I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> just continue. I'm, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm buying stock though from Schefter uh, in terms of the Kevin o- of Kevin O'Connell wanting to keep Kirk Cousins, and that doesn't mean that they want to explore trade offers. Um, but I can understand why they don't want to move on from him personally. I would, but and I and I've seen enough from Kirk Cousins that I know he won't lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl unless I can be convinced otherwise. But 
let me speak on behalf of the Kirk stands here for once, which is something I usually don't do. Uh, the Vikings brain trust had eight years of crusty old Mike Zimmer, right? And him and Kirk, let's be honest, they just didn't get along. It was clearly they never saw eye to eye. The the weird you like me moment, uh, like that moment against the Lions this year, there was clearly like animosity between the two. It was just a strange relationship. And he didn't get along with Kirk. Kevin O'Connell has a relationship with Kirk. And this is the first time that the Vikings ownership group is leaning into Kirk. It's the devil they know versus the devil they don't know. And I think Kirk, Kevin O'Connell having the previous relationship with Kirk Cousins kind of tells me that they are more interested in keeping him and working around him and not taking the chance at starting over with a new quarterback. Now, that cap hit of $45 million, that's the elephant in the room, dude. Like, what are you going to do about that? You can restructure it, but at the end of the day, over the next three years, if you do restructure it, you're still going to be paying Kirk Cousins an absurd amount of money, uh, and especially to be like a 500 mediocre quarterback. So I don't like it. It's not my preferred option, uh, but I understand why the Vikings would want to keep him. So I would say to Vikings fans, especially the Kirk stands too, I think Kirk Cousins can rem- will remain with the Vikings in yeah. 2022. There's also, since we're sort of playing out these these scenarios here, um, you know, you think about the backgrounds of these two guys. Like Kevin O'Connell, I think he would sign up to work with almost any type of quarterback, right? I mean, there's a there's a great nugget in the Athletic today about the current unknown backup quarterback for the Rams that was undrafted that they that they've that they feel proud that they've developed him into like a viable backup quarterback. Like I think he can take undrafted random guy, work with him. I think he can probably take first round pick guy, work with him. He can take Matthew Stafford and work with him. I'm curious to know what Quasey thinks because he comes from a market background, both in his Wall Street career and in his football career. His entire ethos, aside from like communication, collaboration, all that stuff, right? His ethos is about value and about assigning value to a commodity on a roster or a commodity in a market on Wall Street. And is he going to look around the league and say, you know what the recipe for success is in this market? Paying a non-top 10 quarterback elite money, even on a restructure. Like how far down can you really get it from 45 to 35 to 30 and even if you get it down to like 25 the first couple years you're going to have to put so much money into a second or third year and you're going to wind up with an older version of cousins in the same spot you're in right now from a cap perspective so i think i think quasi's looking at this saying man like there's definitely a risk in moving off an established above average quarterback and cousins but there's more risk in locking into a non-elite quarterback at that kind of money compared to like a rookie-scale contract for five years that we can build a roster around. And mm-hmm. he saw the success the Browns had with kind of a just an average starting quarterback on a rookie-scale deal, allowing them to build up the rest of their team. They win 11 games last year. Didn't they win a playoff game, too? Didn't they beat the Steelers in a playoff yeah, without, game? Like, without yeah. Stefanski there. Yeah. So like analytically, if you want to use that word... Kirk Cousins makes no sense. So I, I could I can see this conversation almost certainly already having taken place over the last three weeks. And we'll see where see where it goes. I, I bet this took place the first or second time that they talked. And my thing is I think it's more important that O'Connell knows Kirk from the, the standpoint of that makes it easy to say, here's what I would do. A- and egos in football are, are such that if you are a quarterback whisperer, and this guy is not being brought in as as you know a guy that we know has been successful calling plays. This guy is being brought in day one. You hit the ground. You know QB play. 
ego say, I want my own guy. And I want it to be young and a developmental guy that I can take from college, that I can take from the draft, that that I can that I can mold. Kirk is Kirk is Kirk. Like he's past the, the, the point of, geez, Kevin, it's great to be back. I've been waiting for you so that you can remold me. So I think that there's a better case to be made that Kevin O'Connell stated his his case of I won't keep Kirk. And and that that actually makes sense. And that's why Quasi partially bought in. Yeah, I think this is ultimately a Quasi decision, right? My, my guess, I disagree with you a little bit, and that I think Kevin O'Connell probably comes in and says, listen, if you want me to work with Kirk, there's another level to his game, I can unlock it. If you want to draft somebody because that's the best move for the franchise, I'm good with that too. Uh, this is, I think this is less a Kevin O'Connell decision and much more of a, of a Quasi value roster cap sure. space decision. But I, but I think that O'Connell said the right thing the day that he sat down with Quasi and, and the group that was trying to find the coach. And I think that thing was, I wouldn't keep him. I think they liked that a lot. Wow. 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 Because Harbaugh, Harbaugh would have probably said, let's keep him. Jim Harbaugh probably would have said, we got to win now. We got to go, boys. Let's go, go, go. Let's keep Kirk. And I think O'Connell said, oh, no, no, no. There's a whole world to be explored here. Well, let's let's keep let's keep talking about O'Connell here because my first official statement is there's a lot to like about Kevin O'Connell, and we're now getting more anecdotes and stories about him, and we'll, we'll do a sort of a deep dive into the offense tomorrow on Purple Daily. But there's a great write up in the Athletic. It's a Q and A between uh, Chad Graff, the Vikings beat writer for the Athletic, and uh, Jordan. Is it Rodriguez? 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 I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. And she uh, so she laid out some certain things about. Schematically, who is Kevin O'Connell? Personality-wise, who is Kevin O'Connell? And uh, even a nugget about hiring here in a second. But from a scheme standpoint, she said, uh, though he usually calls plays only in preseason games, so he, he has called plays in preseason games, for those of you who are panicked about his lack of play-calling experience. O'Connell has been a huge part of the Rams' offensive design each week, especially after they traded for Matthew Stafford. O'Connell and Stafford worked a lot on manufacturing explosive passes out of pure dropback looks instead of being overly reliant on play action. Football. Hit you with the football oh, yeah. sounder there. That's right. Uh, through much of the season, the Rams enjoyed the same explosive pass play rate without play action as the rest of the league enjoyed with play action. Football. Just a lot of organic explosive plays because of their scheme and their weapons and their quarterback. And they have a good offensive line, too. Uh, Personality-wise, McVay and O'Connell are in constant troubleshooting and communication mode, as O'Connell also is with Stafford. And I'd go so far as saying O'Connell's demeanor is a nice foil to McVay's demeanor and that he evens out the room temperature at times. Players and coaches gravitate toward O'Connell because he's genuine and disarming, but he has the answers to their questions as well. And if you're wondering, all right, do we have to be worried about nepotism again here? You know, Mike Zimmer, Kubiak, uh, Jordan says every coach is probably going to hire one or two of people uh, within their network, but I think O'Connell's son is only like 10 years old, so no worries on the nepotism front. No worries? 10? <laughs> no, two, he, two years? He, he's the Madden expert, so he knows what to do in two minutes. Right, he saying. should be looking he'll, at his son he'll, he'll get to help him out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve years old, he'll be he'll be barking out stuff. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts after after hearing some of that stuff? Um, 
I am I am excited to see a guy who knows how to run an offense in 2022. That's my thought. Yeah. Like I have no idea. This whole thing could work great. It could blow up, but I'm going but I'm going to tell you right now, you know what? It's going to look like it should look. I I as a football fan, I am looking forward to Sundays in the fall when I can sit down and watch the team in purple play and it's like you're making the most of your your offensive players. This is incredible. Last year was painful. And I know the stats are fine. And you can go back and look at the box scores. I get all of that. But if you watched those games, are you telling me it looked right? Um, and, and, you know, you, you'd go uh, and watch different games, red zone, switch arounds, right? And you would see these offenses and it'd be like, oh, my God, that's a really cool play. Oh, my God, that that's really smart. That really works. And then you'd watch the Vikings. So... I am looking forward to a guy that brings a sense of of knowledge of how offenses in the present era should run. That's my yeah. primary thought. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's good. I mean, pretty much everything you hear. Also, I, I just I, the more I read and hear about O'Connell, it reflects well on the way McVay goes about his business. McVay yes. is so young himself, but he clearly has set up this structure with the rest of his assistant coaches that allows them to grow and to do certain things and collaborate. If His you will, tree is real. Yeah. That's not and a it, fluke. And it's spectacular. It's a great <laughs> tree. Big palm tree, you think? Football. California, right. big palm tree? Are we back to Judd here? Or it's back Jax? to me. Oh, okay. All right. My statement is this. As the Super Bowl comes up, do not worry, Vikings fans, about the winner. I've seen back and forth. Should should we be rooting for O'Connell's team because he'll be coming off the high of a Super Bowl win? Or do we root against him because he'll be more fired up to come here and try and win? What should we do? What should we do? I'm going to tell you right now. Sit back, relax, enjoy the commercials, and enjoy, enjoy the chips and dip and surly, and here's why. Because you can't lose. If O'Connell wins... Awesome. Your new guy just won a Super Bowl, a bleeping title, right? If O'Connell loses, the Bengals, who have the model that the Vikings are following by hiring O'Connell to a, a large degree, you've got the blueprint just won. So if the Bengals win, Zach the Vikings Taylor, tank is what you're saying. I know. Well, you know what? I wouldn't mind that. But I'm saying that 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 Zach Taylor, what, about three years back, was... O'Connell, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in fact, Zach was the quarterback's coach for McVay. O'Connell is the OC. My point is you can't lose, though. It's a win-win. I, either the blueprint, which is the Bengals, wins the Super Bowl, or the guy who's going to be your new head coach wins. It's a okay. win-win. What, don't what worry if, about it. What if you desperately don't want Kirk Cousins around anymore and the Rams win the Super Bowl? Further validating the idea of a non-elite quarterback. You know, Although I would argue again that like there's a reason yeah, Matthew Stafford was, was say, the number one overall pick. A lot of people put, were, mistakenly put those guys in the same bin. That they are not in the same bin. There but was it a might guy, further validate. Who was it, Declan? There was a guy last week who went through that entire thing on a sports show. I think it's uh, a score or something. And he went through the entire thing about Stafford and Kirk and the differences. I forget his name. No. There's a baseball hat a lot. It was you. You're exactly right. There's no comparison. But a lot, of people, no, but a lot of people stuck. still put them okay. in the same. A lot of people are mistaken. God bless them, but they're mistaken. And we appreciate you all. But if you are putting Kirk Cousins 
mentally in the same bin. Stafford makes some really stupid plays at times, okay? But he's not afraid to. Kirk Cousins looks at his own shadow and cowers. No comparison there. Zero comparison. So you win either way. Just remove Kirk from this whole thing. In fact, take him off the roster. Uh, my first, my next statement here. My God, you just your love of your love hatred of Kirk Cousins is one of my favorite things. That's not my statement, but I don't like him as the. I do not no. hate him as a human. He, I'm sure he's a great Why guy. Do I don't. I don't want him on my team. He's not a winning player. R- real quick, did he say? I got to admit, I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in 15 years, and I stuck by mm-hmm. that yesterday. So I, I did see a couple funny things. I'm with well, you. I, now I have a, now that I'm thinking about, it, I have a few questions. Let me start with this one. Did you guys see uh, when when Trayvon and Stefan Diggs switch yes. spots? Yes. So all right, it's a Pro Bowl. We're all having fun here. It's Lucy Goosey, right? Like this going. is a blast. This is great. <laughs> it's kind of like the last game of the regular season that doesn't matter. Like, hey, we just need to get 17 more yards here. Let's have some awareness of like like we just need to get a ball to JJ and like you know, teeth clencher Kirk is you know, <laughs> and these two guys switch spots, and Kirk. Because Stefan had blanket coverage on Trayvon. Oh, I can't throw there. I got to check down. It's like, bro, it's the Pro Bowl. Just throw so, we do, so, so it's like, it's, I'm sure they came back to the huddle. And it's like, guy, we're going to do this again. Yeah, please, sure. just, <laughs> please just throw it. Like, this is all in fun, okay? I don't, it doesn't matter if he's covered. <laughs> just throw the freaking ball to the digs and see what happens. And so he threw oh, this ball up God. and, you know, it's like he can't even just, like, relax and enjoy the moment <laughs> the of the same, Pro Bowl. It's God. so dead on. I thought the same exact thing. Um, my other question is, in all he was doing the, the skills competition and stuff and all this stuff <laughs> over the weekend, did he speak at all publicly about, oh, I don't know, his franchise being blown Dalvin up Cook in the did? last month? Dalvin did. Jefferson, Jefferson did. did. I never saw Kirk. And why I don't is, know. Why has he, it's been a month, why has the leader of the franchise, both in stature, in tenure, and well, in salary, not spoken about the state why? of the franchise yet? Why did every Viking on the Pro Bowl team get together for a relaxed, we're at the Pro Bowl picture, and, and there's, there's no, no Kirk? Kirk. <laughs> I don't know. Guys, I got to go the bat. I, I, I got to go really bad. Do they hate him? No. No one is saying that. Is it weird that he's just not like able to hang with the guys and loosen up and stuff? Like I don't know. Throw You're the thinking ball. about the passes. Throw so the right, ball the, I, to the digs. I thought the same thing. It's weird. Well, but he threw it on the next one. Yeah, because they probably had to come back and be like, "All right, dude, we're trying to create a mo- we're trying to create a moment here. Please help us." <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get a picture, basically a family bleeping picture. Imagine like having to come back to the huddle and being like, "Okay, we need to recreate this," right? Because you didn't see what was happening. Apparently, you checked out of the fullback or whatever. <laughs> Sorry. His touchdown was a check down to a fullback too, which is great. Yes. Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah. All right. That worked out well. San Francisco, right? Yeah. I mean, that. let me tell you, Kyle Shanahan was at home being like, yeah, that's my guy. Well, speaking of, of Justin Jefferson here, quickly, I'll, I'll give my last statement. It's keeping Justin Jefferson happy is priority number one for the Vikings. So he did talk about Kevin O'Connell. And for the most part, Justin Jefferson in his first two years has been a good soldier. He hasn't said anything incriminating. He's passionate and he cares a lot. And I love that and respect him for it. But this is what he said about the idea of Kevin O'Connell being the next head coach of the Vikings. I mean, I've been watching the Rams' uh, offense for for a minute now. They get their playmakers the ball. Uh, they have some tremendous plays. Cooper Cup wide open all the time. So I mean, I'm excited for it. Uh, I mean, this is my first head coach that's going to be on the offensive side instead of defensive side. So I'm happy. Hell yeah! 
I'm all about keep, it, Jeff Justin Jefferson. Keep him I'm happy. with you, man. Keep yes. him happy. Yes. Love it. Yep. Here for here for Justin Jefferson being happy and productive. And he will and listen, and he like he put up some ridiculous numbers last year, but it was like felt like it took like a third of the season. Well, and and allowing him, and I don't care if it was Zimmer Kirk a combination, allowing him to come up seventeen yards short of a Moss record is inexcusable. More motivation though. Maybe it was maybe it was tactical. Yeah. More motivation. For, yeah. Go Bengals. So Kevin O'Connell really want, want to work hard. He did he mention Bowl, that so in sorry. that same interview. He mentioned, heck, okay, like I came up short of that Moss record, but you know, this year he was kind of annoyed by it, as anyone would be. <laughs> yes. Mm. By the way, if you're a business owner out there, Federated Insurance is uh, not, not only a partner of ours that you can support, but they'll support your business, taking it to the next level through risk management strategy and resources. Find out more about how Federated can help your business protect against potential risk at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. It is Statements Halftime. Enjoy the Halftime Show. We'll be back in a minute. I think the energy more than anything, like you said, um, it forces guys to want to you know, turn their level of competition up and compete. Um, it gets our quiet-ass fans involved as well, too, so... I think it's good for us to have somebody like him that, you know, kind of wakes wakes people up. <laughs> Man. Mm. All right. All right. Statements here. Mackie and Judd. That was D'Lo talking about the quiet-ass fans at Target Center. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a statement. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong one there. There we go. But you do. I think you, you like just, pie, I though. think you should just play the rock sounder on loop <laughs> instead of the music bag. <laughs> I wouldn't be drive, opposed drive to drive everyone nuts. Um, <laughs> all right, here's my statement off that. D'Lo needs to calm down a little bit. All right, I know he was calm when he said it, but do I think would it be nice if Target Center was a more raucous environment right now, and and you could rely on seventeen, eighteen, twenty thousand people just going nuts at every turn? That would be amazing. That's kind of how it was, you know, the last few years of the Kevin Garnett, especially that last year where the Wolves, you know, the last real year of KG. I know he played two more years after they went to the conference finals game, but like where you had, uh, you know, the guy who kneeled with the program slapping the floor and you Coach. had Jimmy Jam and like some local celebrities. Jiggly. Jiggly. Denny Hecker. Big belly jiggling. The second Denny win Hecker. guy. Dick Denny. Enrico. <laughs> All the local celebrities, right? Oh my God. Yes. I think what I think what D'Lo has to understand here a little bit here, and I agree, I agree partially. Like let's 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 boost the atmosphere inside Target Center. This team's won four games in a row. They're what three games above five hundred. They're knocking on the door of passing Denver and Dallas. You know they can move up here, but it's been seventeen years of largely embarrassing garbage, thanks to Glenn Taylor and his inability to effectively run a franchise. So like. There's a generation of apathetic Wolves fans. It's just going to take some time, you know. It's like you guys like it's it's a good season. They're three games above 500, and it's fun. But I think calling the fans quiet ass fan, it's it goes deeper than that, man. Like it's been almost two decades of just garbage, and fans are still traumatized a little bit. They're still traumatized by David Kahn. They're still a little bit skeptical. So. Keep going. I think if, if if you keep doing this, you're going to see fans absolutely show out at Target Center. But I was like, I don't want to get into him too much because I, 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 I appreciate the sentiment, but I just want to tell D'Lo, like, 
it's it's going to take a minute here. It's been t- almost 20 years. So be patient. It's go time, though. He's saying it's go time. I like that. I, I like the passion. Yeah. I like do you the think, fact. Do you think fans are not holding up their end of the bargain right now when it comes to the Wolves? I, went, I'm, I don't think that's true yet. Like I they went, have, they're still improve it mode. On Sunday, 16,000 plus. Good crowd. Um, I thought it was fine. But I but I like the fact that people are now, including the players, I like the fact that there's some passion here. There's some fire here. I mean, this franchise from from the guy who owns the team on down for how long, uh, essentially since KG has been gone, has lacked any consistent passion and fire, right? Like, we belong. Like, we're, we're actually a good team. So... I don't disagree with your point that that I wouldn't call the fans uh, in the arena dead ass yesterday, but I quiet do, ass or yeah, quiet ass, quiet ass, dead ass, bore ass, whatever you want to call them. I don't care. But what I do appreciate is the fact that there seems to be a level of passion from the players, Beverly, D'Lo, mm-hmm. Ant, that hasn't existed for a long time. It, it's fun to watch. He said it in a way to actually he. We don't have to play it again. But he, he said it in a way that was like they've clearly been discussing it as players. They are always like was, trying to get the crowd excited too, and I think that the crowd when when they when they try and engage the, the crowd, but by trying to pump them up, I feel like they are disappointed that the reaction is not stronger. Yeah, but I under, I kind of understand yeah. why. Like it's in and I don't I don't mean to like this is a fun team. They're a winning team. They're on the right path. They're going to make the playoffs, or at least the play-in, and they might even avoid the play-in. Yep. But they're also not the Warriors, you know. Like they're three games over five hundred because they beat the Pistons back to back. Like let's just keep grinding, guys. Don't worry about officials. Don't worry about the quiet ass fans. Like if you keep doing this, those fans will come back. We've seen it at the end of the KG run. What that thing can look like inside Target Center. This is a basketball state and a basketball town. But, you know, three months of 500 play, albeit a huge accomplishment for this franchise, is not on the level of, like, what the what the Vikings are capable of at their peak. And, you know, the Twins have given you a bunch of playoff seasons. Like, just keep playing. That's my that's my advice. I like, I like your point and his point. Yeah. I think that they're both entirely fair. Mm-hmm. Good for I, I am not, Yeah, exactly. It's I'm help, not it's going to help each other. It's yes, help each other. Here. Yes, exactly right. And somebody cares finally. Like, somebody cares, Eureka, it's yeah. Timberwolves. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's not like, one more thing on this. He's not he's not saying it in, like, a sort of petulant way. No. Or I, think I He's saying it kind of as the straw that stirs this drink. I mean, I, I, was, I was wrong about him early in the season. I just look at his career and look at the way that, you know, they get off to a slow start. It's like he's just another, just another uh, volume-shooting sort of hollow stats combo guard like that's but he's been much much more than that so his words do carry weight as a team leader but just keep doing it keep grinding keep playing <laughs> like keep grinding. Get there. Keep working. just keep doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing, doing. you're good baby try it try it's working okay. hard okay. coach phil just going up and down yeah. the keep come, on. Come, come on come on baby let's go. come on d-lo come on d-lo there you go. There you go. let's go pick it up pick it up no go. quiet ass no quiet ass here all right all right judd as a guy who attended the uh, Pistons-Wolves game on Sunday, my statement is this. Buy a ticket to see the Bev show. All right? I spent, I believe it was the second quarter of the game, basically watching Bev. And Patrick Beverly puts on a show that, that I mean, 
first of all, he's probably close to certifiable, but it's awesome to watch. It's so much fun. And and if you watch the amount of <laughs> trash talking, uh, physicality, like, like this guy, I don't, don't know how, but this guy was meant to play like with the Knicks in 93. He was supposed oh, to yeah. play with like John Starks. And he's he a '90s player for sure, no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. And he would have started a brawl a night. He can't now, but there, there was, there was one point, and his ability to trash talk and how he he goes about it is special, because it's not just a running diatribe. No, 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 it's more. His ability to to lure opponents in with trash talk, but also his style of play frustrate them. There, there was a Pistons player who got so mad that he got a, a tech for shoving Bev on Sunday in part because Patrick called him a baby on the floor. It's like, Eep. and there, there was also one where the referee, Beverly was driving the baseline. The referee called a foul on the Pistons player and Beverly got mad and said like, he ain't stopping me. Don't worry about him. Like he was admonishing the official for calling a foul on the guy who fouled Beverly. I love it. It's qu- it, it's not. You, you can't trade that guy. No. I don't know why his name has popped it up. It shouldn't. I, I I understand the Wolves are doing their due diligence and that you know if they can get a game changer or so you know they they like Marcus Smart. No. Ben Simmons. You can't trade him. You're right. Pat Beverly. I said this last week. Even in street clothes because he's hurt on a team plane is one of the most valuable players in that locker room. Yes, and and he is worth just watching. Like, he does things that in that league now, essentially, guys don't do. And it's not special things like, oh, my God, he's so talented. No, no, it's driving opponents crazy, and it is a very special characteristic that few in today's NBA have. I'm trying to think of, like, so much fun. Other players in Wolves history that have had that level of impact as a role player. Like, mm. he's got some KG tendencies to yes. his personality, for sure. Oh, but, yeah. you know, KG was also the MVP of the league and a Hall of Fame player. As a role player? I don't know. Like, I mean, they've had some guys in the past. They've had, like, going way back, you know, Anthony Peeler was a really good role player because yeah. he could shoot threes in yeah. the late 90s, you know. But, like, Pat Beverly's coming in here as – very much like the fifth of five starters and probably comes off the bench for most, like a lot of teams right now. And he is one of the most impactful players, not even in ways that you can always quantify, but just I think he's changed a matured cat to some extent. I think he's having an impact on Anthony Edwards. He's basically an assistant coach on the floor, and I think he's a huge reason also why they're one of the top 15 defensive teams in the league this season. Agree with all those but I don't know if there's any comparables to, like, in Wolves history to a role player. He's off his rocker, so, like, impact. who... Who else was? KG was, but again, to your point, he was a star player, not a role player. Like, yeah. who else was was like... Like crazy? Like crazy. Like Mark hockey Madsen crazy. Kind of crazy well, that's who I, like I was thinking Mad Dog, too, but like... But Mad Dog was like a lovable, and Pat Bev would beat your beat, he? beat you up if you if you brought his name up with Mark Madsen. Also, Mad Dog was out there to play seven minutes, set a few yeah. screens, grab two rebounds, and then wave a towel. Like, I feel like Beverly's he was an goofy. actual impactful. Yeah. Beverly's not goofy. Yeah, he, yeah, he's here yeah. to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that about Patrick Beverly. By oh, the way, by the, the, real the quick, way. the Timberwolves are right now. And we're almost to the all-star break here, but at the trade deadlines later this week, the Wolves currently have the seven seed. 
they are two games clear of the Clippers, who are making trades to get better. That team's only going to get better as the season goes on. They're two games clear of the Clippers, and they are eight games clear of the Blazers for at least a spot, like in the in the ten in the tournament. In the tournament, like yes. tournament. They are one game back of the Nuggets to get to the six seed, which would remove them from the play-in. But they're only two games back of the Mavericks and four games back of the Jazz for a four or a five seed. Back to back against the Kings, right? Yeah. Coming yeah. up, yeah, tomorrow. Sacramento yeah, Kings, very beatable. Mm-hmm. Should win both those games. Mm-hmm. Should mm-hmm. win both those mm-hmm. games. All right, sorry. Uh, I have a wolf statement. I'll say start buying some Jaden McDaniels stock. Oh, yeah. Jaden McDaniels, yeah. my guy, Jaden McDaniels. I thought of you when he was knocking down shots. Dude, you're like, you're like the guy up. who bought crypto eight years ago. Yes. Like you bought Jaden McDaniels stock on draft night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just reaping you're the You're like, uh, you bought like, you bought Ethereum like three years ago and now you're living on a yacht. Yeah. And sometimes you got, if that, if that stock, you know, dips down a little bit. And you lose a little bit of ROI, you still you, you still stick with it because it could rise back okay. up. Because Jaden McDaniels over these last nine games has been on fire, um, shooting forty six percent from three over his last mm. nine games. Chris Finch too had this quote on him at the end of the game, saying, "When he lines up and gets a good shot, I think it's going to go in." And I don't think I could have said that at the beginning of the year on Jaden McDaniels' game. So Jaden McDaniels, I think, kind of got off to a little bit of a rougher start um, from his from a, a promising rookie season. But over the last 13 games in January, when the Wolves have been basically playing their best basketball of the season, he's been a contributing force. He's coming off the bench. He's playing 25 minutes a night, um, getting some huge blocks, providing some great defense for the Wolves. And now he's just like him and Vanderbilt coming off the bench. I mean, like you're talking about two defensive guys who can really shut down players, and Jaden McDaniel's stock is indeed rising. The three-point shooting is the huge game-changer. Is this... You said he's shooting what, like forty-seven percent from? You said from three? Yeah, the over last nine games? over his last nine games, forty-six percent from from three. So, because because he was shooting like twenty-five percent on the yeah. season, I think going into those nine games, and he's still below thirty percent for the season from three. But he's been if if he has figured out a couple spots on the floor to hit a three-pointer from mm-hmm. the corner specifically, yes, it changes everything yeah. for that kid. From the doing fl- math, yeah, right? Yeah, now? I'm doing. I'm actually doing it from the. I'm reading Dane Moore's <laughs> oh, quote because it was. God kind of, help us! You're doing math, and, and God help us. <laughs> no, and stop! And I, I, I don't do math. I, 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 I am going to delegate the wolf stakes out to Dane Moore too. I'm not going to put words in his mouth either. But no, it's, it is 46 percent from the floor, which is still a gigantic improvement from where he was at the beginning of the year. So yes, it yeah, is you, good that he's hitting those shots. Actually, you see, uh, I'll give you one more wolves in there. Malik Beasley's putting on a showcase either for a second-half <laughs> yes. run with the Wolves or somebody else. So he has had a, a couple of his best three-point shooting nights over the, maybe even these games against the Pistons. Like, he's just been just been hot from three. Uh, you could either look at that as, hey, finally Malik Beasley has figured out how to hit some three-pointers here. He's one of the better three-point shooters in the league before this season. So that's a nice addition for a Wolves stretch run. Or you can look at it and say, some other team might be tricked into wanting Malik Beasley <laughs> on their team. Um, I could honestly go either way with it. I just feel like of all the pieces that gel well together, right? Like Vanderbilt and McDaniels are gelling, and you got you know your 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 three main players, Edwards, Towns, and Russell. Like it's the best that they've ever looked together. Like Beasley has always felt like a weird fit since the beginning of the season with this collection. So I would I would look to. Take advantage of the recent hot streak. If you could get somebody else in here, especially if Torian Prince is going to stay and hit threes, like 
he his three point shot has come around. Um, I would look to trade Malik Beasley. I guess that's my statement. I would trade Malik Beasley this week and get what? What's your guess? Um, God, there's so many because I don't think there I don't think there's a Ben Simmons deal here, but like you, you would need his salary to complete a Ben Simmons deal, right? Is there a way in a two or three team deal to use his salary? It's it's mostly about his salary, and maybe there's a little bit of oh yeah, we also get a good shooter. Is the Marcus Smart thing still in play? I don't know. We'll have to see what what's really out there in a couple days from now. I think Thursday is the NBA trade deadline, Correct. so three three more days, seventy two hours to Correct. to kick the tires. But uh, he seems like like of all the guys that you could probably that are just expendable. Like I'm not trading Pat Bev this season. I'm, I don't know if I, I think Torian, like the, the real version of Torian Prince is now on display. I'm not trading Torian Prince right now. The chemistry here of, of this team to me is crucial. Like they've got it, yeah. they've got it right. And so I would not, un, unless you are going to flat out make a trade that you can't turn down, I don't make a trade for appearance sake. Yes. I, the two guys that I like, the two rotation guys that I would be totally fine trading are Malik Beasley and Naz Reed. And they're both. I could see that. You know, fine, but I don't. Yeah, I don't I think you that. need either one of those guys. The rest of the way here. All right, Judd. All right. Very very simple statement. Always comes around at th- this time of year, but I'll make it again. Make it stop. There is nothing worse in sports than having the back to back National Hockey League three on three All Star oh. Game and then the Pro Bowl. God. Okay. First of all, hockey. The overtime three-on-three, I adore. I love it. I Mm -hmm. think it's great. The all-star game, it's now played at a snail's pace. Like, they don't skate hard, and it's boring, and it's it's, it's a waste of time. Okay, folks? It's a waste of of time. But then you're like, this is the worst all-star game around, right? And you flip on the Pro Bowl, which I refuse to do. Because nobody tackles. Nobody cares. Um, it okay, is, if you don't, if you because okay. I don't watch the Pro Bowl either. If you don't watch the Pro Bowl, then why do you care? Because why I want it eliminated. Up? Because I want it eliminated. I want it killed. I want it. But taken it doesn't. Out. It doesn't exist in your life. You don't watch it, right? But I am. I am here to make change. To help make change, and its existence on the planet is a negative. The planet. But a lot of people watch. Millions of people negatives. think it's a positive. I know, and I'm trying to help those folks. Straighten out their time. Spend time with your wife and kids or watching different sports. But not that piece of crap. Nobody in in hockey and football, one thing, and this is the fundamental problem of All-Star Games now. Both are contact sports. Until you get to their All-Star Games. And then it's no contact. We got to get rid of both. I want them out. Do something else. If you want to do someone cute, blow an ACL, did I miss something? If you want to do something someone... cute, there's no reason for it. Name the Pro Bowl teams and be done with it. I've said that for years. But the <laughs> hockey game, it was, I, I watched it. I mean, it, it's like, what are you people doing? Why are you out here? If a person gets hurt, what's the purpose? Yeah, waste of time. Go get drunk. You know what? You so. take a weekend off. Yeah. Get get bleep faced. I don't care about that. I think Spurgeon and Dumba and a few other guys were, were in Cabo or Florida this weekend. Joined themselves. I think they took. Fun. D- I, I saw. I saw something that said they took the rookies. Yeah, I think they took some of the rookies. Which too. again is the yeah. bonding. It's just awesome. Yeah. I love the bonding. I love that part. Bonding, take the weekend off. Go yeah. get drunk. Yeah. Do not play the sport when you're not going to play the sport. I just found an article here. It looks like. Uh, let me see here. According to Statista.com. Mm-hmm. 
So number of viewers that have watched the Pro Bowl, I've got numbers up until 2020. People so watch it, yeah. You know, it's amazing. Like between 2010 and 2014, an average of 12 million people watched the Pro Bowl. Uh, it's dipped a little bit in recent years, but still like 8 million people watched the Pro yeah. Bowl. And those people should be some doing something like spending time with the wife and kids. Or who are you to tell people yeah, what they I should agree. and do? The fact that you, the fact that you don't watch the Pro Bowl is fine, but if other people find it, that's if, where I'm at. I don't find the Pro Bowl valuable or entertaining. I don't. I don't. I don't really watch All Star games. I'm. I'm good on them. If you want to watch an All Star game, if you are one of the eight million people, that's fine. If Shefty wants to drop a Shefty bomb, we're going to pull the clip from it. Oh yeah, no, I want list. the Shefty bombs. In fact, you know what? The Pro Bowl, all reckless speculation. Now that would be a show I would watch. That would be a where great they interview show. Kirk Cousins and ask him who are the five teams. Yeah, that you'd where play would you for go? If the yeah, that's the Pro Bowl. You. Oh my God, we solved the issue. Coming up next, Kirk Cousins tells you how much he really hated Mike Zimmer. Never, never underestimate two things about Judd. His ability to tell you how to live your life and his ability to be outraged over something that really doesn't actually matter. And that's what we just saw mm-hmm. right there. That's uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. But I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to help those 8 million people. Think about that. Think about if they had done something productive on Sunday. I love politician Judd. Uh, my statement, let's play hockey. Let's play some damn hockey. Starting tomorrow in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. the Wild will play 40 games in the final 77 days <laughs> of the regular season. 40 games in the final 77 days. The Wild are red hot. They look like they're for real, but they have had COVID cancellations. They've had winter classics. They've had days off. This will be like the first time since November. So they had like two months where random days were off where they'll actually be playing meaningful games without ridiculous days off for in-between games. So finally, it'll be a sprint for the last 40 games of the season. The Wild are off to their best start through the halfway point in franchise history. They look like they are for real. Only Colorado has been better. So finally, we get a true sample size of enjoying hockey games, and I'm looking forward to it. So let's play some damn hockey. Yeah, it's going to be a super fun stretch run here. And um, I don't know. There's not like There's definitely positioning to be decided but my statement would be in fact i'll give you a little wild all statement right. here okay let's fast forward like three months that's all i i, I Ooh, it's warm the, now. the regular season's gonna be fun it's great it's but nice let's, let's fast forward spring weather all right and playoff hockey oh mm-hmm. yeah i think this team i'm not gonna say it would be a grand disappointment because i don't want to put that on them but like it would be kind of a buzzkill if they didn't make some kind of a run to like the second or third yeah. round and, and make some noise so I guess I am going to apply that. You just applied a lot of pressure. Put my you just said I'm not going to apply here. pressure, and then you applied a ton of pressure. You're like, <laughs> right, I, I, I don't, don't expect a lot. Perhaps a Stanley Cup championship. Can, can, I'm going to give you another one here. This was, this was going to be uh, my actual statement. After seeing this quote from Joe Burrow on some kind of media Zoom call here, Joe Burrow was my quarterback. That's my statement. <laughs> His advice to kids, and I think he meant like college and high school football player kids. Don't get sucked into social media. Quote, work in silence. Don't show anyone what you're doing. Let your performance on Friday and Saturday night speak for it. Hear that? Dude. That's how I, I mean, live. Kirk's, Kirk's been silent now. on yeah. social for a month, and so I'm glad that he has uh, been working in silence. But I love Joe Burrow, man. He doesn't get caught up in the Baker. He, Baker Mayfield's out there, like, chirping at people on yes. Twitter every day. And Joe Burrow is just grinding film and strategy. 
why, surveying the field. Why any quarterback ever gets ca- caught up in like Twitter or what's written or said, I'll never get. And, and, and Kirk actually, I think, is good at that. But the one thing with Kirk, to Phil's point, is like it's very, very weird that that Kirk didn't try and address the changes that the Vikings made early and mm-hmm. say, I want to talk about this, and then you're done. So, like, there's a fine line here uh, because I appreciate the, the fact that Kirk is on Twitter, but he doesn't really tweet. Um, and I appreciate the fact that he doesn't, like, live his life completely publicly. But I also think if Joe Burrow's coach and GM got fired, I feel like he would come out and say something and then step away. Does that make sense? Well, and, you know, absolutely. Well, I think the fact that you've – so the leaders of a football franchise are the GM, the coach, and the quarterback. Yeah. And there's going to be some other players sometimes to their leaders. Like, I'm not saying that there's not other veterans on the team, but, like, the figureheads of a team are GM, coach, and quarterback. And so when your GM and your coach get fired – and there is a dearth of leadership for two or three weeks, it would just be nice that maybe your quarterback would step up and have some things to say about the state of the franchise, right? Don't leave it to your right tackle. Adam Thielen spoke as well, and Eric Hendricks. But, like, we heard from Brian O'Neill before we heard from Kirk Cousins. Yes. I mean, come on. Wasn't Brian O'Neill, was he drafted the same year that they... I think he was drafted after they signed Kirk Cousins. 18, right? So he's not... Yeah. So I don't, a month after, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to beat the point to death, but it's a uh, it's disappointing. Uh, can I throw I, just real quick a baseball one out that I promise won't? Yeah, I don't think it's gonna I'm gonna leave the show. Good call, putting much. it in okay. the back end. Okay, I side with the MLB players. Judd has left the show. Mm-hmm. He's gone. This is a great tweet from Joe Doyle. Joe Doyle, uh, MILB, and he says. He did the research on this, that uh, Major League Baseball payrolls have jumped over the last 10 years 12%. The average payroll was $93 million in 2011. It's $104 million as of last year. So it's a, a, a 12% jump in payroll. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the average value of a franchise or a club or an organization, if you will, has jumped 365% over that same time period. So players have jumped 12% in compensation. Organizations have jumped 365% in team valuation, not necessarily in revenue, but the revenue is also up. And people are bashing the players for being greedy. It's the billionaire owners that are being greedy. And this sport is a garbage fire right now. And they're going to spend like two or three months into the season probably arguing about the money. And that's 50% of it. And I, I doubt that they'll even get to the, the other chunk of it, which is how to make your game more fun and entertaining. How to make it relevant in the off season, right? How to make it fun during periods where games aren't being played. How to make the games themselves more fun. Like there's a whole off season of discussion on fixing the game that they're not going to have. And why is and why is that not being done in in basically lockstep with this right now? Why are you not putting together a committee like this game needs to be fixed? It's no it, yeah, it it drives me crazy cuz I'm starting to get that spring training itch right now yep. just a little bit, just and a I, bit. like like it's not bad, but I'm jonesing a little bit, you know? I'm, I'm, yeah. jonesing. I'm jonesing. I'm jonesing for not. the 
I, I'm just a little I bit. Am. I am. But I I'm telling you, you know, like, yeah, I, like it's good. February now, pitchers and catchers, right, in a couple of weeks. So I'm starting to, well, I agree with you, but I can't change the way that I feel in my heart. And I love baseball, but I hate the people right now that run this game. And it makes me so upset that they are going to eventually come back, to your point, Phil, with no substantial changes. Um, and, and not just not just rules, which can be tweaked. I'm talking about a plan for for how do we stimulate the free agent period, which is the only one in sports now that sucks. Football yeah. got it down. Hockey yeah. got it down. NBA genius. And you idiots aren't going to fix this. Anything you don't care? No, I think it's. A, I, I think it's. I think it's screwed. I'm living. I legitimately, think I, but I'm starting to Jones just a little bit. I got to be honest with you. My former boss is going down to represent the Twins and owners, part of the group, Joe Polat, going down there to, uh, to represent sure he'll the Twins. I'm sure he'll Dave St. Dave St. Peter Dave will be there. St. Peter's going I'm down sure there, I'm sure Joe will have a big impact. I'll text him. Yeah, you, yeah, I'll, I'll text you, him. Yeah, you check in. <laughs> see, see how K-Twin is doing these days. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> what are you, what why, was that why a drive-by shot? Shot. That's that's, un- that's the only thing I would do. I'm shocked. How is AM fifteen hundred doing? Let's have some self awareness. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, you know what? It's doing great. ESPN Radio. <laughs> just a, just feeling emboldened. To oh, take oh yeah. Okay, all right. K Twin. Right. Victory Sports. Let's not talk about the poll ads in depth. Let's go look at the Judd and Fon ratings. Yeah. Let's see what Judd and those were. <laughs> hey, they started off fantastic, and then AM, you know, started to subside. K Twin was FM. Score North Live was a whole thing. Yeah, Score North Live was a good show. Score North Live was a good show. How's K Twin doing? There's nothing funnier than your sports dying, just like your the, radio station. Yeah, well, but we can talk about that. We could talk about that oh, one. God. Incredible. Mm. All right, that's uh, Mackie and Judd's statements <laughs> and drive-bys here on this. We should just do like, a, instead of doing, we should do statements for a half hour, and then we should just do unnecessary drive-bys every Monday, too. Well, just, why not? It, 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 falls, it falls hand in hand with the format. Come on. Reckless speculation, oh, unnecessary shots. All right, we'll see you guys over on Purple, Purple Daily. Mackie and Judd. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.